Welcome to Major League Rugby Kickoff, Episode 3, hosted by Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Pete? Dan, how are you doing? Oh, it's so good to hear your voice again. I didn't get to see you over the weekend, which was uh, quite sad. I missed I missed my Steinberg time. It's been almost 14 days now. I know, I know, I know. We have been seeing each other a little bit more than we've been seeing our, um, our families, but... Uh, um, I miss you too, but I did get to hear your voice. You were um, uh, in in the sunglasses, looking uh, not looking cool, actually looking very hot in in Austin. But it was uh, um, we were both busy traveling all over the place. Well, we usually do a travel tip, but that uh, that can be one of the production tips. Sometimes the camera can only point point in a certain direction, and you need a certain light. And ours was a setting Texas sun right in our eyes. And we tried it without the sunglasses, and we were kind of looking in different directions at different places because all we could see was a giant orange ball. But uh, we got through it. It was a little unorthodox, but uh, it was a good uh, good weekend for Major League Rugby, week seven in the books. It, it was, but I do have one travel tip, Dan, before we jump on, and this is a really simple one. And I um, met up with a friend of mine this week who does a lot of travel for, for work. He works for a university, so he doesn't fly – business class, but he travels internationally and he does not collect his miles. So Mm -hmm. the easiest travel tip is whether you're flying, whether you're renting a car or whether you're staying at a hotel, it's free to sign up. Just collect the miles, just collect the points and eventually you'll get value out of it. But it blew me away. This is a guy who's been to the US three times this year from the UK, has flown to India and has not been collecting his miles. The airlines are on their way to the bank laughing when people do that. Well, I was the same way when I played. I didn't know about all this mile stuff. It wasn't until years later that I figured it out. I probably was in the same boat as this young gentleman. So, Absolutely. Good travel tip. Sign up for those mileage as soon as you can, everyone. So interesting games this weekend. Interesting games. So, you know, you were looking into the sun um, down in uh, Austin, and, uh, um, you know, uh, probably the game of the week, I think. Exciting game, some, some great scores. But what were the conditions like down there? Was it as bad as uh, – I mean, I know you and, and Kit talked about it. Um, you can't always tell on, on TV, um, but hot and humid down there? Not too bad on the humidity in Austin. It's, it's a little drier. Uh, you're a little further north away from – the big water bodies like Houston and New Orleans that are sitting right on the uh, on the Gulf there, but uh, very hot. But it, definitely game of the round, everything to play for there. Three versus four in Utah and Austin. They've flipped spots on the table. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Austin kind of solidified themselves in the top four. I felt, and isn't it a funny old thing, Pete? Just, just two weeks ago on our first episode, we'd pretty much written Austin off, put the line through them. Their season's over. They're not going anywhere. Back-to-back wins at home, and now they're back in the top four and looking strong. Yeah, I mean, I actually went back. I, I watched this game. I, I had an eye on it when I was in D.C. Then I watched it again a little bit um, when I was at an airport. But this morning, I actually I said, you know what? I want to go back, and I want to work out what is Austin doing that they weren't doing earlier in the season. And I think it's most of this is actually about the go forward that their forwards are getting. And in particular, um, Victor Compat and, you know, Ben Mitchell, who we've seen really step up are playing well. And Paddy Ryan in the front row set, you know, really dominant scrummaging. 
their forwards are really setting the platform and it's allowing them to unleash this really, really good back row. So they've got Brighton back at six, Kamasais at seven, and Vandenberg at eight. And Vandenberg brings the leadership. Um, Kamasais brings the explosion. But Breitenberg, he's coming into his own as a six. When you play six, you end up in a different part of the field. You become a little bit more of a bull runner. That back row is really setting the platform for their backs to do well. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Pete. Breitenbach, he's certainly that high-engine workhorse type six, and he complements the experience and savvy that Vunnenberg brings. Obviously, 20 caps for the Springboks and uh, an eternity playing for the Blue Bulls and then up in the UK as well. And uh, old Hunko, he's been a little quiet in the last few weeks, uh, and I think that's not a product of him playing poorly, more of a product of that side doing their jobs and allowing Hunko just to be Hunko. He, I feel as though he's not taking as much load on his shoulders uh, as as he has been in previous weeks. As you look at the sc- try scoring list, he still sits on top, even though he didn't get one on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, he did have the one break that set up Walsh for his try, but I agree with you. And and, and another player that I came back that I really think has been outstanding is um, Roland Siniula. I He's come back. He's um, allowed the ball to move wide. Um, he's been a tremendous defender. 13, as you know, Dan, is probably the most difficult position on the field to defend. He's an excellent defender. And I think he's really created some of the space that um, Elan Putik at fullback has um, has exploited. And, and that was another choice two weeks ago that we questioned because we thought Ned Hodson had started so well. But Elan Putik's had a, had a great couple of weeks and has been really providing some firepower for them. Yeah, very talented young fullback. Good to see him back at full health as well, playing some good rugby there for Austin. It doesn't get any easier for them. Their real litmus test to see if they're going to be contenders come the end of June for the Major League Rugby Championship Series is this Friday night, and it's against the Seawolves at home. Now, the Seawolves, they just keep on winning, Pete. They traveled down to Houston, one of the tougher road trips in Major League Rugby. And they were greeted with some very, very tough conditions. Now, we talked about the heat in Austin. It was the heat and humidity in Houston, though. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, uh, this wasn't a great game. Let's be honest. I mean, I think these games in the South are going to be a little bit of a challenge. You know, Houston's one of these teams that is really flattered to deceive. They've got the firepower in the backs, but they're just not able to get there. And I've been um, uh, pretty pretty harsh on um, Connor Murphy, their scrum half. I think that Houston can play slowly and when the pace picks up, they can't play quickly and it doesn't look like Murphy's playing quickly and I'm not sure if that's a coaching decision to stay stay in their structure, but that's been a real struggle for them and because of that, because they slow things down, they really struggle to generate, go forward and create that space out the back. But for Seattle, that's actually what they do well with Phil Mack. I mean, their attacking structure is not great, but when they play quick and they have the opportunity, they really take it. And they're really opportunistic. Um, you see, you saw that try from Phil Mack from that turnover at the scrum. That's exactly how they work. But it's not only that. When they get their momentum, they're able to keep going. And then, of course, they have the seawall. Yeah, the defense is outstanding. And... To touch on your point with the Sabercats, my uh, undercover agents who roam the streets of Houston have told me they've actually made a change at nine. It'll be Slater starting at nine and Yusefo starting at 12 for them, which is something we kind of hinted at during the broadcast that 
perhaps that could be the go forward with such a lethal back line. I mean, look at that back three. If, player for player, Pete, I don't know if you've got an outside back uh, quartet there of Kalenisau at 13, Esdale, Vithi on the wings, and, and Panjo, uh, old Zach Pangelinen at the back. I don't know if there's a more dangerous attacking unit in the entire competition. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I actually coached um, Zach when he was at Umbach, and I remember playing some touch with him. And he's got a killer sidestep. He's got a great acceleration. And he's, like, the least credentialed of that group, right? I mean, it, it's it, they have to find a way to be able to get that. So I think it's smart to make some some changes. What was interesting on the Seattle side was the fact that they rotated their props. And I thought that was actually, um, you know, a, a, an interesting move for them to do. I mean, obviously worked out for them. And I think, you know, that that gave Houston a little bit of the edge in the scrum. But if you want to know, you know, I'm going to do a little Twitter plug, Dan, but if you want to know or if you want to see a discussion on um, how to beat the seawall, there was a Twitter discussion that I had, PJ Rugby 9, and you can always catch my MLR analysis with hashtag hashtag MLR analysis. Um, There was a discussion and, and we had a few people say, well, how do you beat this? And I think um, what Seattle do is they put a huge amount of pressure on any attack to just execute really well. As soon as you make a mistake, it's become so difficult to break them down. And I think they're one of those defenses that you need to score in the first three phases. And Houston should have the team that can do that, but they just weren't able to do that um, in that game. Well, we were always told you've got to earn the right to go wide, and that's going forward first. Playing with quick ball is key to creating defensive lapses. Uh, a player backpedaling to get behind the last feeder to break down is more susceptible than one who's set structured eyes up looking at your offensive structure. And I think Joey Yosefo playing at 12 will give them a little bit more go forward. Uh, he, he's still quite one-dimensional, but we said that about Paul CK at the start of this year being one-dimensional, and which is fine for now with a body that big. And if you can get that go-forward ball for Houston, I think they can play off the back of that. Uh, we'll be interesting to see Slater at nine, whether he can start getting that ball quicker. I think Sam Windsor is an absolute superstar. And he didn't say as much, but I get the feeling he's getting a little frustrated with the ball that he's getting. And just, I think he's too talented to be to be playing that style of rugby down there in Houston. Well, you know, um, it was a trio of games in the South. I was down um, with... Uh, Jerome Jordan um, doing the NOLA game and, and actually and we'll talk a little bit um, about this uh, later in the podcast but I was actually down at Glendale um, hanging out with the Eagles watching um, them practice and I spoke to a couple of the Glendale guys who were in this game and they described it as the toughest conditions they've ever come across um, and these are the fittest players you would think right that are in the MLR or the US Eagles and they just said at half time that there wasn't a big desire to get back out it was it was really brutal down there well you know yourself when you get in those conditions usually you'll you'll run into those in the preseason and most rugby is uh, late summer is going into into fall as you get through the back end of a 12 week block of preseason training those first few trial games it's very very tough uh, in particular, in Australia too, you know, we, we would run into the the back end of the late summer down there. I spoke to a few of the Raptors guys as well, and they were saying the same thing. They're like, you know, there's there's tired, and then there's New Orleans tired, and it was very very tough on the body. 
Yeah. And, and you know, I, I also bumped into Dave Williams when I was down there and it's sort of like, you know, how do you have one of the few blowouts in um, major in the major league rugby season winning by 37 and be up, you know, be upset. And you can just look and it's the 20 handling errors that they had. I mean, it, it really Nola struggled to play in this game. They're, they're really struggling. They, they lost Eric Howard. He was the only, you know, the only Canadian that couldn't play because it was a Sunday game. It was a Saturday day game. He could have played. Um, they struggled therefore in the set, in the set piece. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was a really, really tough game for Nola. I think Nate Osborne's a strong coach, but they've had so many injuries um, and they're really just trying to piece things together um, and just not enough against a well-rested, fully um, uh, available Raptors team. Yeah, let me tell you, Dave Williams would be the only bloke who would win the Powerball and be upset because he quick picked it <laughs> instead of picking the numbers himself. He's a tough taskmaster, Dave Williams. I mean, he was the strength coach for the Eagles for a long time, and I'm sure a lot of players would agree he was a very, very hard taskmaster of the players and himself as well. But uh, yeah. You know, I, I love the culture down in New Orleans. I really feel that's a tight team and they're sticking pretty strong through some testing times. You mentioned the injuries. Uh, they lost Jobo very early in the season in, I believe, one of the trial games, which was a big loss. And then you add into Sebastian Calm, Elon yeah, absolutely. Having two weeks off. Malpin, you know, with that fracture and just slowly coming back from that. You can tell he's still not 100% confident that thing is healed up. Um They've got the, the nucleus there to do something good. It, it's, you know, they'll they'll play San Diego in New Orleans this Saturday afternoon, and I mean that's a that's a tough road trip for the Legion coming down there, mate. With with all those Eagles missing as well. Yeah, I I agree. And, and, and you know, before we get onto the upcoming games, what I would say is that we saw a little bit of what the Raptors are going to look like in the playoffs, right? And I thought that. The two impact players off the bench are the two quality, experienced players they've got. Zach Fanolio and Atta Malifa came off the bench and took that team to another level. And I think that's the thing that Glendale have is they've got players off the bench that would start on any other team and not just start. I mean, Fanolio's been a man of the match, right? I mean, it's like they have studs that come off the bench. And I think that's going to be the challenge, even for teams like Seattle, to be able to match them in a close game um, in the last 20 minutes. But, you know, lots for, you know, you know, I think that there's a, there's a lot of stuff that can, um, uh, the, that can happen. But I think if Glendale stay healthy, I mean, you know, if their Eagles can stay healthy through the international test match series, if their backups can get the experience, um, you know, everyone's got to be looking at them in the playoffs. Let me tell you, if Zach Fanolio didn't have a career outside of rugby, working for the worldwide leader in orthopedic striker orthopedics, the number one name in orthopedics, <laughs> uh, he'd still be in the Eagles. I mean, he's playing some career-best yeah. rugby. But he really is. You, you talked about that depth, and one of the players that they're going to have to really cover, you had a chance to chat to during the week, and that's their fly half, and potentially USA's fly half, Will McGee. Okay. So this is Pete Steinberg here with Will McGee. Yeah, you have to get that right. Also known as Bill. So we'll but we'll call you Will here. So um, Will, thank you so much for taking the time to spend some time with us. 
That's good. Awesome. Love it. Um, just saw you running around with the Eagles today. How's, uh, how's it being camp and uh, um, how's the prep going for Russia this weekend? It's going really well. Um, it's obviously the first time that we've had sort of everyone as a professional coming in. So the fitness standards have been good. We had a really good camp last week. And then the boys that were playing in the MLR obviously went off and did their thing over the weekend and then come back in for the test week and preparing for Russia, which is really exciting. That's great. Well, you obviously had a great game for Glendale and won um, uh, not only player of the match, but player of the week. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about the conditions. What was it like playing down there? It's honestly one of the hardest like, games in terms of conditions I've ever played in. Um, you, you, can't you can't, just by watching it online, you can't see how hot it is, how much that takes out of the body. I mean, boys are in their locker room at half-time literally saying they can't go back out there, that sort of thing. So, And they're some of the fittest guys on the squad. So, I mean, the ball, the ball after two or three phases is like a bar of soap. Um, and it's all about just mental toughness, getting through it, getting to the next job and just, just working hard for your teammates. So what, it, what is it like being playing... Um, what is it... We'll have to edit that. Um, what's it like uh, playing in the MLR um, in this first season? Have you enjoyed it? Oh, it's been fantastic. I think... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of comparisons to pro rugby, and I think everything, every facet of the league is, is so much better. Um, from all the off-the-field staff to all the on-the-field staff, what the teams are trying to do with the academies, um, where we're playing, I mean, bar a few patches of dirt here or there. But, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's been a great experience so far, and I think everyone's loving it. So, what for you has been the most memorable moment of the season so far? I think that away win at Seattle, um, obviously it was only the second week, but it was a pretty big statement from us. Seattle had a big, a big win the week before. We were missing a couple of key players through suspension, a couple through injury. We went there with, I mean, five of the starting pack were front row boys, and we just put in a massive defensive effort against their, uh, against their big pack and their raucous home crowd, which is absolutely outstanding. I think they're definitely leading the, the league in terms of that. Um, but the, the atmosphere in the change rooms afterward was awesome, and that was a, a really good performance by us. Now, um, tell us a little bit about your background. When did you start playing rugby, and where did you grow up? Uh, I started playing when I was four years old um, at Ealing Trailfinders in their minis program. Um, so I grew up in London, England. My parents moved over um, from the east coast of the, the US just before I was born. Uh, so I was born in England. Um, but all of my extended family is, is from the States here. And where in the States are they from? Are they scattered all over the place? Or are you a native, sort of a, a New Yorker of, no, of type? No, not New York. Not absolutely not. Uh, Boston. So. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my, uh, my dad's side of the family um, is, in, is based out of Boston. Uh, my mum's side of the family were in uh, about 45 minutes north of Philadelphia. Um, but now my parents live in, in New Hampshire and all our sort of family, my sister's in Boston area. So. Okay, so the whole family is back here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that's great. Um, and tell us what brought you back to the US. When was that? And, and, and why did you end up returning to your homeland? Um, I just, I mean, I, I played in the age group stuff for the, for the USA from starting under 17s through two years of the under 20s. Um, and I'd always sort of spoken to my parents about if, if rugby ever went professional in the US that it's, it's the best opportunity for me to come over here represent my country at the highest level um, so obviously pro rugby started up I, um, I got back in touch with um, Scott Lawrence who was my under 20s coach sort of he threw my name into the hat with uh, Steve Lewis and I just sort of randomly got put here in, in Denver as a fullback apparently I don't think I've ever played fullback <laughs> before um, and yeah just sort of stayed out here for that season obviously it, it went well for us um, while the season was in, in session and then obviously everyone well documented problems off the field 
um, but stuck around here with the Raptors when uh, Davy Williams offered me to carry on playing professional rugby. So it's great. And so um, you know you're living in Colorado. Um, what are the things that you like to do while you're here? It's a great place to be. It's tough. I mean, it's very different from the UK, yeah. right? So there's 300 days of sun, where yeah. maybe there's 30 days of sun in the UK. Yeah. So do you enjoy it here? Is it a place that you can see yourself being here for a while? Yeah, I love it. Um, so I, I really enjoy it here. Uh, it's a great sports town. I'm a massive sports fan, so get down to the Rockies games when I can. A few of the boys, we went to the Colorado Avalanche, the NHL playoffs this year. Um, I'll, on the list is get to a Broncos game at Mile High Stadium. So there's so much stuff to do. Obviously get out into the mountains when we can on like off weekends and whatnot. So you a skier? Uh, we're not allowed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're not allowed. No, you, you didn't answer the question. Are you a skier? <laughs> very bad. Okay, very bad skier. And, um, and, and are you a golfer like most professional rugby oh, players? Yeah, we, that's the other thing I forgot to mention. We play a lot of golf, so working on that handicap. Got it down to 17 at the moment. Oh, so that's it's, pretty it's, good. It's acceptable. It's acceptable. <laughs> Who's the best golfer on the uh, Glendale team? Uh, Chad London. And he hits the ball miles. <laughs> <laughs> he plays off about eight, and he, uh, he, he was playing in the group behind us the other week on a short par four, and he nearly hit us on the green, so <laughs> he hits the ball a long way. And um, what is it with, uh, um, I mean, what would you be doing if you weren't playing rugby or what do you want to do after your rugby career like what's 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 your long-term career is it in rugby is it in like something to, else yeah i mean i'd like to carry on playing obviously a few more years um i really love what they're trying to do here in glendale uh, sort of made it a bit of a home um and then afterwards i think i'm quite lucky in terms of the generation that i'm going to be that in a few years time there's going to be some pretty good opportunities um Art, like sort of coaching or potentially refereeing or something like that I think that the, there's some really good opportunities for, for our sort of generation or our class that's, that's sort of coming through so um, yeah I'd love to stay in rugby whether that's here or overseas or um, working with the age group stuff so I think that's quite a cool thing to be able to give back to sort of the younger group like, when you get the opportunity to it's great so just to finish up let's talk a little bit about the Eagles you're here with Gary Gold yep. um, so Gary's relatively new um, really loaded question how's he doing it's awesome yeah. <laughs> no, honestly like, it's been great um, we spent uh, I was one of the boys that spent the whole ARC with Gary so we had six weeks together and as a 10 obviously like trying to lead the attack there without um Without AJ on the ARC was, was a great experience for me to sort of work very closely with him and Greg in terms of what we're trying to achieve in the attack. Um, and it's been awesome. And just like this, the skill level here is a step up from MLR and that's what you want to be challenging yourselves. We've got players from all over the world, Super Rugby, Top 14, Premiership, and it's just been fantastic. This week especially is um, really just putting ourselves under pressure. So come Russia on the weekend and then looking forward to Scotland and Canada, we can just go out there and put on a really good performance. That's great. Well, well, thank you so much. As I as I look around here at the Glendale um, Infinity Stadium, there's no one left. So <laughs> I appreciate um, Will McGee hanging out with us and uh, doing the interview for the MLR kickoff. Yeah, absolutely. good luck this weekend. Cheers, Pete. Awesome. Well, it was great talking with with Will. He he gave up his time after their practice. Um, they uh, um, they practiced for about an hour and a half. Um, uh, down there in, in Glendale, but he was very generous with his time. Interesting guy. His whole family is now back in the States. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's had some offers to go back to the UK, but um, he wants to make his, his life in America and he wants to be a proud American, which is always great to hear. Oh, it certainly is. It, uh, the melting pot of the world. Beautiful stuff. Hey, Pete, let's have a quick look now before we delve back into USA Russia. At the standings for Major League Rugby, not much movement at the top. Those two sides have pretty much set the bar, but we saw a little bit of shuffling 
at three and four with Utah and Austin flipping places on Friday night. Uh, looking at this table, outside of that four, New Orleans, San Diego, Houston, mathematically, you know, Houston's still a chance, but form-wise, you'd say they're out of it. Do you see anyone jumping up, or do you think the top four is kind of starting to settle itself out? Well, I mean, I think so. Part of it is you want to look at the games played, right? So San Diego have played a game less. Um, the other thing that's interesting about San Diego is they have, they have the fewest bonus points. So that's actually really hurting them right now. Um, and it's what's keeping them out of sort of being close to the playoffs. I think Houston can still make it, but they don't have um, their fate in their hands, right? So other results have to go their way. Sort of above that, there's, um, you know, look, people kind of have a little bit of control about what's going on because New Orleans will play Utah, which is in the fourth place. So they've got a chance there. And San Diego still have three games. So they play New Orleans, right, that, that is ahead of them. They play Austin, um, which is ahead of them. And uh, and they, you know, finish with Glendale. And Glendale may not need need much in that game, right? So um, I, I think, I mean, Houston can make it. I think it's a real long shot. Um, I think the only team that the I think is gonna you know that could make that run up is San Diego, and most of that is gonna be based on what they have outside of their Eagles, what kind of bench they have, and I would expect some some players that have been playing in the PRP for like Belmont and um, on back, we might start seeing them on the bench to be able to provide a little bit of that depth. Yeah, I think you will start seeing some familiar names from those local Southern California clubs starting to pop up. Rosters will be released at some point tomorrow, you would think. So we'll get our first look to see how the depth is. And of course, the depth is being tested because of the USA commitments. And it's a big one at Dick Sporting Goods in Denver. It's going to be the USA taking on the old foe. It's Ivan Drago versus Rocky all over again. <laughs> a miracle on ice. What's some other good ones there? The the race to the moon, all those. And, you know, USA has controlled and dominated this rivalry. Um, I believe there is a, a loss in the archives. I spoke, spoke to Dave Hodges about this. There's a loss in the archives, but the USA didn't feel the true test side. So it's kind of doesn't count, doesn't count. Who knows? It's that, you know, gray area of uh, rugby as it, it leapt into professionalism in the 90s. So... I know the last big meeting was the uh, was the 2011 World Cup, which they won, and they've played a few times since then. But in terms of historical games, that's probably been the biggest between the two. What are your thoughts for the game on the Saturday afternoon? Yeah, well, first of all, the the best news for me is that my trip to Poland got pushed today. So instead of flying out on Saturday evening, I'm flying out on Sunday. So I'm actually going to that game, um, taking my my wife and my. 18-month-old daughter, and um, we're expecting a USA win. I think this, you know, when I was down watching the team practice and they went through their paces, they, you know, they went for a good 90-minute session. Um, it was in the heat, but it's going to be hot on Saturday, and so I'm sure that's why they did it. Um, they, you know, it, it, it's the first USA squad when you look at it that you're saying, hmm, I wonder which side is actually the starting lineup. Because there are so many good players, like you know, we talked about Will McGee. Will McGee could be the starting fly half. He's played so well. He played really well at the ARC, and of course, there's AJ McGinty. But actually, you could be like, well, in this game, like, is it the Will, you know, um, is it the Will McGee or the AJ McGinty side that's running together? You look at the back rows, just huge amounts of 
depth there. So um, I was really impressed with the work they did. And I think the US is, I, this is a, you know, I really like their series that they have, um, uh, you know, where they, you know, they're going to play Russia. They should be favored. Of course, Russia are now playing um, in the uh, um, World Cup opener in Japan. They played Japan in 2019. Uh, Spain and Romania's appeal today got turned down by World Rugby, which means that Russia automatically qualify um, to go to the World Cup as European one, and that Germany now go into the playoffs and play Portugal. And if they beat Portugal, they play Samoa. If they beat Samoa, they go to the World Cup. If they lose to Samoa, then they go into the repechage with the Canadians. So the fact that Russia are now um, going to be playing at the World Cup, this is a huge game for them, and it's a huge summer series. So they're, they're all playing for their spot. So I think the Russians will come out motivated, but I think Gary Gold's on a record-winning streak with the U.S., right? So there's a chance to do something the U.S. has never done, which is win six games in a row. Yeah, Gary Gold undefeated in his uh, U.S. coaching career. Not a bad someone way else, to start. Someone else, Dan, that has high standards, when I talked to him after the session, it, I was like, how'd it go? And I thought it went really well. And he was like, okay. <laughs> like, okay, that's a man with high standards. Oh, you would hope so. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really exciting to watch the evolution of that side, though. And, and like you said, you know, 10 years ago, you kind of knew who who was going to make it. And there were there was probably like four or five Smokies, you know, roughies, outsiders that would get picked up and brought into the squad. But now it's you use so many options. You got you know AJ McGinty, who's had a, a stranglehold on ten and probably rightfully deserves to maintain his position. He's gone from being a guy who couldn't make the New York Athletic side Super League team, you know, um, to going down to life, dominating there, getting a shot with the Eagles, doing great, going to Connick, doing even better, getting picked up by Sale, doing even better again. Uh, it's it's a story I think we should really try to push too because you can get these guys over here and the eligibility rules are changed. I understand that. But if you can find those players, it just goes to show that, you know, Chris Wiles was the same way. He was playing over in, in, in England, really not doing too much. And I mean that in, in the utmost respect to Chris. And then he comes over and eligible for the USA, plays sevens, and his career just took off. And what a, we just saw him retire well, inverted commas, retire, you know, with Wilesy, you never know. He could be Todd Clever 2.0 and just keep popping up everywhere. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Pete, it's just – it's such an exciting time to be a USA rugby fan. I'm, I'm I, really I, excited I to see him play. Yeah, and and so I'm really I'm, – you know, I'm excited to be able to be there at the game, be able to support the team. I'm excited to be able to watch this team play. Um, you know, I loved what they showed on the pitch in terms of their structure – um, you know, I think they're going to have a, a strong defense. I think they're a physical team. And, you know, it, what's so great is that there are still capped eagles and quality players that will, that will be playing, um, you know, this weekend for the MLR. So, you know, I look at some of these players that, you know, aren't being selected and I'm sort of like, well, that's a good player. You know, <laughs> you know so there's, a, there's, there's the, the depth is, is really phenomenal. So let's talk about, upcoming games this this week which which game do you have dan you're you're doing one of the games this weekend or are you doing three of the games no just just two uh two were kicking off at the same time so it was it was physically impossible to do that <laughs> there's only I'll so be, much they can squeeze you i know i know it's uh i'm, I'm doing a lot of driving through texas and I'll, I'll continue that form this weekend as well i'll do austin versus seattle which 
has the potential to be the game of the round. I think both sides not over. Well, I was going to say not overly affected by commitments, but uh, with uh, Vili Dolodal uh, getting called up to the Eagles, Seattle lose a, a real good player there, and Austin with Hunko obviously out. Uh, they don't lose too much, so that'll be a good game Friday night, and then uh, shoot down Saturday. Uh, obviously, with my commitments with CBS, I have to go down and do that game, and that'll be San Diego at NOLA. And again, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to hold myself here until I can get a look at that San Diego roster. Oh, not, you know, I'm, I I felt if if you remember last week, I went one and two, and you know, you halfway through the discussion of the Utah game. Um, against Austin, you mentioned that Kurt Morath wasn't going to be playing. And then I was like, well, hold on. That changes my views. And then I stuck with the original selection. So you've already punched you know, if, it. You can't unpunch it. We all want to wait out. I mean, we can all sit here and wait until all we right. see the selections. All right. All right. You're going to have to make a guess. You're going to have okay. to make a guess. So Friday night, I'm, I'm going to go Austin to continue the form at home to defend the fortress. Uh, they're going to knock down the seawall. They're going to do it in the forward. So I'm going to go Austin. It's going to be a tight one. I'm going to go by, uh, let's go five. You know, I, I, I don't know what I should do with Austin. I've picked against them the last two weeks and they've won. Like if I'm an Austin fan, do I really want me picking them? Um, but without Phil Mack, I, it's, yeah, Phil Mack is the team that not only makes that, that makes the Seattle tick, I think it's the team that, um, uh, I, th- I think it's the it's the leadership, it's the hub. I think I'm going to go with you. I think it's going to be Austin. Um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the Seawall's going to hold up pretty well, but I think Austin's going to do enough. But I think it's going to be Austin by four. No Phil Mack. That's, that was a big one for me, so I'll go Austin. Moving on to the other Friday night game, Raptors, Sabercats. Listen, I, I, the, the Raptors don't like it when I do this. But I'm going to go. You are not. I'm going to go. On. Listen, I like the change. I like Slater at nine and Yosefer at 12. I think those are two big things. Their backs are against the wall. Glendale losing a lot of players. I mean, they're going to get a test of their depth. And I know they're a very deep. And, you know, you're, you're leaning on guys, like you said, who are capped eagles. Adam Malief is going to go. Uh, Maximo Diarchville will, will take a, a greater role in that back line. But I. Uh, I'm going Sabercats. I'm going Sabercats. Um, wow, that is a gutsy call. This is a team that hasn't been doing well. Their confidence is low. They're, they're traveling to altitude. Um, now, it is a short turnaround for Glendale, right? So they did play Sunday and then Friday. They, they are missing their 9 and 10. Um, I think in the forwards, they'll be fine. But I think it's in the backs where they're going to struggle. But, you know, I, I you know, so, so the real question is, can Glendale continue um, the challenge that Houston have of taking away the space of the outside players? And so if you think that Glendale's defense isn't going to hold up, if you think there's going to be space, and then I can see you going with the Sabercats. But I, I'm, I, I think Glendale's defense is going to remain strong. I think they've got the depth. Um, they're the best prepared team. Um, I think that... Uh, um, you know, it'll be, uh, I think Glendale, but I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be Glendale by two. You're locking Glendale in? Locked in? I'm locking Glendale in by two. Just right, to, you know, because we can't always call the same stuff. 
So now we- I'll tell you, uh, Pete Dahl is actually out as well. So another four gone. Oh! Too late. Too late. You've made your pick and you're going down now. So let's move on. Man, you uh, play dirty. I do. You play dirty. That is. I, I'll be honest with you. I have no insight on the, on the last one. I've heard no news from New Orleans or San Diego. So it's in New Orleans. San Diego missing a bunch of starters. Uh, okay, let's go back to the other game. I didn't give my margin. You said it was tight. I'm going to go Houston. I'm going to go by nine. I think they're going to get, they're going to get it done up there. Um, you went Raptors yeah, tight. Can, what do you think? Look, I can I can see that happening. I can see Houston getting the space. I can see um, the change of nine making a difference. I can at, like if they get space, they will be lethal and they'll be difficult to hold. So. Um, you know, I'm, it's either going to be – I actually would say it's either Glendale by two or Houston by 15. It's like one of those two scores. But I'll stick with my Glendale by two. Glendale by two. All right. New Orleans, San Diego. I'm going to go for Nola Goal. I'm going to go for uh, John Goodman, who's now out of a job thanks to uh, Twitter. Um, I'm going to go – he's going to come out to the game. He's going to be the motivating factor. He's going to come dressed as Walter from the Big Lebowski. He's going to be fired up. Nola's going to be fired up. Taylor Howden's going to be fired up. Nola, they're going to run away with this against an inexperienced Legion side, and they're going to go plus 12. Wow. Well, you know, so let's let's lay it on the line for San Diego. They have to win this game, right? If they don't win this game, then um, they're, they're probably out of it. Even though they've got two more games left, um, if, if, if they lose this game at the very least, the result is out of that. Like the, the future is out of their hands. They're going to have to win their last two games, and you know they have those last two games at home. But it's against the Austin Elite and the Glendale Raptors, so that's tough. Um, you know, this is one where you want to see the lineups that San Diego has. Uh, but Cam Dolan has been so critical for them in the lineout. Um, and I, you know, I remember the one game we watched where um, they decided to go away from Cam Dolan. They couldn't hit anyone. So. Um, I am, you know what, I, I think that I agree with you. I, you know, I've been to New Orleans three times. Um, I, the players down there have stuck together. I think that um, they've certainly struggled. JP Eloff will be better off for another week of training, and he is just a game breaker. Um, you know, I think I'm going to go with New Orleans as well, but, and I think it's, um, you know, and I think it's going to be New, New Orleans by seven. I think they're going to be relatively comfortable winners here. I think the Legion are going to struggle to generate, although they do still have a good nine and 10. I think they're going to struggle a little bit in the forwards. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. It's certainly a gut check for Rob Hoadley and his team. Um, they come through that game and they win. They'll be well set for the last two games. They'll be feeling confident and they've got a chance to go. Um, and then, you know, the same way for Nola, both of these teams, it's, uh, um, you know, what is it? Five versus six. Whoever wins that game can feel pretty confident about what's happening next. Whoever loses it is probably out. Well, it's on the internet now, so we can't take it back. And week eight is coming up, folks. All the games, of course, Friday night's games will be on the ESPN Plus and AT&T Sports Network platforms. And then CBS Sports has your game of the week. Saturday kicking off, I believe, at five. Five Eastern? Let's go five Eastern. Why not? And that would make it uh, two Pacific. I had to think of that one real quick, Pete. It's going to be a great weekend as the race to the finals continues. And exciting times. Make sure you don't miss a match. And then we'll see you next week. Pete, I appreciate your time, my man. Absolutely, Dan. You know, it's going to still be a few more weeks before we get to see each other. But um, always like to see you 
uh, on the screen doing your stuff and uh, always enjoy these enjoying these podcasts. So uh, wait, the, the last thing I would say is that we're now on sort of we're on um, iTunes and Google Play and those sorts of places. So if you like what you hear, please go ahead and give us a rating. Now we're in the podcast business, so we would appreciate that and uh, um, appreciate Dan and, and Aaron Castro, our producer, behind the virtual glass helping us pull this together. So um, enjoy your two games, Dan, um, and I hope everyone has a good weekend of rugby. Till next week. I'll talk to you then, Pete.